Welcome to the Moving Forward podcast. Today we have Dave Vane on. Say hi, Dave. Hello. And Dave is uh, has an interesting story. I'm, I've invited him to share with you guys. He started, or at least he used to be, uh, pretty far left, called himself a socialist. Now he uh, um, thinks of himself more as a libertarian, which uh, he and I both, I think, would place to the right of both the Republican and Democratic Party at this point. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, depending on the topic, you know, you know, socially, people would say I'm left of the Republican Party, but, you know, Republicans would swear I'm a liberal. Yeah, I meant economically. <laughs> I meant economically. economically um, I actually would love definitely. to have a conversation with you about about social and economic issues, because I'm I'm you're probably the closest to me politically of anybody I've had on the podcast so far. So it'll be kind of interesting to talk about all that. I generally oh, right. talk to lefties because, you know, it makes for a more balanced and interesting conversation. Oh, all right, um, right. Before we get into the meat of the talk, I'm going to read a review, like I usually do, from one of you listeners out there. This is from Daniel J. Whelan. This show is a throwback to when the right and left could have discussions about important issues. A couple of wing nuts from opposite sides of the aisle managed to find consensus on nearly every issue. They primarily focus on the policy proposals of the 2020 presidential candidate Andrew Yang. But the issues, the discussions, and the resolutions are useful and informative aside from Yang-specific proposals. I highly recommend checking these guys out. That was a great review. Thanks a lot, Daniel. And anybody else out there, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read you next. All right. So, Dave, uh, tell us your story, um, particularly focusing on the whole used to be a socialist, now a libertarian thing. Oh, well, I, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, and that, that pretty much leaves you to one – uh, political philosophy that you're you're trapped in in terms of an echo chamber. Um, uh, the the area I grew up in was typically even further, you know, among a lot of Green Party activists around here, and uh, I, you know I met them and I talked to them because I was always interested in politics. But uh, I've always been very independent. You know, I was raised Democrat, but I was never loyal to the Democrat Party. Um, I I was very active with the Green Party. I don't think I was ever registered with them. But, uh, but, you know, I kind of fell into that worldview of we need government to do things for us. We need them to take care of us. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, if you if you Google my name, you'd probably find out that you'll see I, I ran for office as a progressive Democrat. I was you know one of the first people that branded this to myself under that that banner because um, that was back in the you know, 2000. You know, for 2006 era, where that was the that was the new term now for political left. Um, yeah, before before that, it had a different meaning going back to like uh, Teddy Roosevelt and stuff. But you're right. That, exactly. That, that modern use of it to refer to the kind of socialist, um, the resurgence of socialism in the Democratic Party is a very, very recent phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but but as I stated, and I think this is what really uh, helped me break away from that not that i really needed help with it but it just sort of naturally happened is uh um i've, I've always been you know i've always mind, minded myself as independent not loyal to any political party not loyal to any philosophy i've i've always been the type of person that i'm open to new ideas and new things and if you can convince me where i'm wrong i'll listen i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue just to be right i, I don't want to be right i want to be correct and that's how i yeah, try to live my to life that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very I'm much in the spirit of this podcast. Yeah, I, I try to I try to call bullshit no matter what. And even though I am um, uh, a, a supporter of, of Andrew Yang, who I would characterize as kind of within the libertarian sphere, 
um, I, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I'd love to talk to you about that in a little bit too. But you know, I've 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 criticized him when he's been wrong or said the wrong things too, because I I do think it's important to you know we you should you should uh, have allies but not heroes in this world. Absolutely, but um, you know, but and basically, you know, look, I, I'm stubborn as can be. I'm as stubborn as they come when it comes to my beliefs and my ideology, and everybody should be. You shouldn't be flimsy on anything because that's that's honestly just as bad as being somebody who's so stubborn they won't change their mind regardless of what facts gets put in front of them. You know, be, you know, be firm in your belief, but be flexible enough to acknowledge that you know maybe I'm looking at this wrong. <laughs> And, um, yeah, yeah, Dave, I really appreciate that. So I'm going to ask you a few uh, questions that I'm just that are designed to just kind of get a, get a little more detail out of your story here. Again, sure. specifically focusing on that whole transition, because mm-hmm. um, off air, I joked to Dave, I said, people think that going from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump is a big leap. But as far as I'm concerned, that's a small step going from socialist to libertarian. Now, that's a real leap. <laughs> So I really want to explore this. Um, that's a that's a real change of heart there. So um, what was it that initially attracted you to the socialist left? Like why why did you get involved in that um, progressive democratic uh, movement? Even so much so that you even ran for office and all of that. Like what was it? What was it about that way of approaching politics that appealed to you at the time? Um, if there's one thing socialists are really good at, it's messaging. Um. And, and that's honestly what it is. They 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 have a great way of spinning things to make themselves come out as is morally superior. And, and honestly, you know, you know, they they they, they tug on your heartstrings. If you're a person that has any empathy at all, uh, so I think socialism is a natural attraction um, because you you know because it all talks about you know equality, wanting to do better for the world, wanting to help people, and you know, capitalism and libertarianism is based around you know, individuality and free and freedom. And, and it's based around this idea that, you know, we make our own destinies. Um, and to be honest, you know, it, it makes me mad because, you know, I, at this day and age, I call myself a capitalist through and through. And um, a lot of people that make capitalism come out to be so terrible are, are people who call themselves capitalists. Um, and it's not that and the problem is, is they're not practicing capitalism. You know, you, you go to the Republican Party, they'll all call themselves capitalists, but then they'll, they'll, they'll be socialists when it comes to, you know, giving, shelling out money to large corporations. Uh, you know, they, they'll put tons and tons and tons of money in the military and warfare. And, and that's all socialism. That's not capitalism. And, and people see that. So, so you have people who really don't understand what capitalism is, and they'll see that. And they're like, oh, well, that's wrong. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. So you hear the socialists over here. Well, we want to do these things to help people and to help the little man. And, and it just becomes appealing to them. And, you know, I was one of the people that fell into that. Okay, that's interesting. What do you mean by they're good at selling themselves? Because uh, that I find to be quite an interesting take. Um, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but personally, I've never found um, their way of describing themselves appealing and and also if you look at if you look at polling you know capitalism polls uh with what 70 percent support among the electorate mm-hmm. um um socialism is more like 30 percent, something like that right so it, it it would seem that uh socialism is the one that has a branding problem not capitalism unless you're on twitter <laughs> and no, then it's no. reversed 
Well, well, absolutely. Yeah. Twitter's any social media for that matter. Absolutely. Well, I think, and, and I go back to, go back to, there's a lot of people who, who call themselves capitalists that really don't adhere to capitalist philosophy, which is, you know, the government should not be intervening in the market or, or as very minimal as possible. I mean, I'm, I'm not an anarchist. I'm a libertarian. Um, you know, libertarians will call, there are people who are anarchists who will call themselves libertarian. And it's a very flexible word in that manner. But, um, you know, I, I'm fine with regulation in terms of certain environmental regulations, just not not to the level that we have. Uh, and I'd say environmental, also like child labor laws. You know, I, I think we're too strict in areas that a child, a kid should be able to go sweep a floor in a quarter store market or something like that and make a few bucks. And that shouldn't be an issue. Um, but well, they kind of you know, do that. They kind of do that. I, I can just imagine some listeners getting mad hearing you say that. But I think I know what you mean, because like they already do that in a kind of informal market anyway, right? You know, you, well, you well, uh, exactly go, go around town, start mowing lawns in exchange for money or whatever. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. But for some reason, when you do it to a business, all of a sudden do it for a business, all of a sudden it's bad. No, it's good. You know, when I, when I was, I'm, I'm in my mid forties now, when I grew up, you know, corner stores would hire kids in the neighborhood to go and like put, you know, price tags on things or stock shelves. That wasn't gave... that long ago. <laughs> no, well, no, no. But you I know, mean, Dave, I, I, Dave, you're right. Like, people will bring up the examples of like horrible, like sweatshop, right. you know, practically. And, and that's, but, that's like, but, but then, like, have, have laws against that? Then, right? I mean, it's right. not. It's not like it's all 100, percent you know, black and white either way. Right. I'm not encouraging, you know, children to go work in mines or or factories or sweatshops. I'm talking like menial tasks, something that so they can take a little pride in, in, in themselves and, and understand the importance of going out and, and earning money because, you know, there's a mindset that that you see changing. I, I, yeah, when, I when I was a kid, my parents paid me to, you know, weed the garden. Right. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. I wanted right. I wanted a Sega Genesis. The only way to get that, they told me, was to weed the garden and until I had earned enough money to buy it. Right, that right. sort of thing. Right. I'm talking menial tasks. You know, something that's only going to take a couple hours a week, honestly, that out of their lives, that they earn a little extra money and start on start building up a, a responsibility in terms of getting a job. Because I've been in business management. And let me tell you, man, it's getting harder and harder to find younger people that that are honestly worthwhile having there. It, it's you know it, people will talk about like, you're probably not paying them enough it, it doesn't matter what you pay them i mean when you when you're starting off you're not going to make ceo pay you're not going to make good money you got to climb that ladder but if you're coming in you can't even show up on time you want to call out all the time uh when you're there i gotta i gotta you know be on top of you to do the most simple things yeah it kind of defeats the purpose of of having an employee if you have to do their job for them so yeah. um before before we get a little ahead of ourselves here mm -hmm. um sure. okay i think you kind of explained why the left appealed to you at the time so yeah, what just, what was the really... what was like the turning point like at some you know because you over time you gradually open your mind up to other ideas but what was the turning point where you remember noticing that you were just done with it and that you oh. were going to do this 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 giant leap over to um libertarianism like what what about the left or being in the left or interacting with other leftists was it that turned you off to the left honestly it wasn't anything about the left that turned me off to the left it was just a fact that i couldn't deny um it was in the 2008 presidential debates and ron paul you know basically made the statement that's that you can't argue against you know corporations own the government what makes you think giving the government more power is going to rein in the corporations <laughs> and, and and i'm like He's right. I can't argue against this. And, and and no matter how much I tried to like wrap my head around, it, I'm like, 
he's right. <laughs> you know, like it, it doesn't make sense. Why? Why am I going to give government more power just to give the corporations more power who who I've been battling this whole time? Um, yeah, that's that's interesting to hear you say that. So it was it was um, it was an argument from a libertarian um, on television that persuaded you, or those sorts of arguments, I suppose. I'm, I'm, yeah, have to yeah, it's you know, more more than just that one, because you know, one thing that I'm noticing is, especially in the Yang Gang, this is happening. There are a lot of people who are kind of like well-intended uh, liberals in the classic sense. So they're they're not socialists; they're capitalists, right? But right. maybe they maybe they're a little further left than than you are, mm-hmm. but they're but they're not socialists, right. and they get behind somebody like Andrew Yang or maybe even somebody like Bernie Sanders, you know, mm-hmm. who is pretty far left by you by U.S. standards. You know, they say, okay, yeah, I could get it behind this UBI thing. I could get behind universal health care. But then right. once they're in these leftist circles, they start being told like, no, that's not enough. We have to completely destroy capitalism as we know it. We have to take away the right of everybody to own property. And I can't wait to throw you in a gulag. And oh. then people are surprised that, you know, people don't don't warm to that. <laughs> right. No. OK, so, well, here's here's the interesting thing, um, because at the time that I made that switch, the if there were some people in that extreme left that were like that, but they were you know, few and far in between. Um, they, I'll say that now, uh, and I, I feel like I left, I feel like I left the left at the right time. If you know, when you use that, uh, that's a good term. point. Yeah. You probably got out before they completely went off the deep end. Cause, cause <laughs> I, I listen to them now and I'm like, what the hell I'm was wrong with these people? Like I'm seeing all these things and I'm seeing things that, you know, I was, I was kind of getting sucked into some of it. And it look. I, look, I'll sit on social media and I'll trash socialists all day long because it's just too easy, to be honest. I, I you know, I look at myself and my ideology at the time and I'm like, what the hell was wrong with me? It doesn't make, you know, it really doesn't make sense. It's all about emotion and it's there's nothing really based in any kind of fact. And that's and that's the problem. You know, socialists and much about messaging and how they're good at they're really good at playing to people who are more empathetic. Um, but, you know, that really aren't looking at the facts. And, and the facts is, is that, you know, government is the problem. It's not the solution. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, government can be a solution, but, you know, I, I look, I, I'll be honest. Like I said, I'll never call myself an anarchist, but anarchists have good points because, you know, our, our government, when it was set up, it didn't have many functions. But one of its three functions, really, that it was supposed to have was was to protect individual rights. And it has failed miserably at that since its inception. You know, that that's really was its primary function, and it failed miserably. So, you know, arguments make the case, uh, or anarchists make the case that uh, – why, why do we even have a government if it's failing at its, its one job and it's been failing pretty consistently for, you know, 200 years? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to hear um, – it's interesting to hear people on the left talk about how supposedly the, the, um, the government has, only, has like overemphasized economic rights uh-huh. as opposed to other, other human rights. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that – the strongest case that you have for what you just said about government failing to defend people's rights is on mm-hmm. the economic um, spectrum. I think I think that when it comes to other forms of human rights, you know, like women's rights and uh, you know civil rights for for you know non-white people, um, mm-hmm. LGBT rights, those sorts of things, those have only expanded, um, and the government has actually done extremely well at protecting um, individual rights against majoritarian uh, prejudice there. But when it comes to um, 
But when it comes to economic liberty, um, that's the area where the government has failed the most. I mean, now the government, you know, like, do you ever even really own anything if you're constantly being taxed on it? Like you you pay taxes on your income, then you buy your property, then you pay taxes on your property. And then when you die, you know, your 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 the people who inherit your estate pay taxes on that again. Right. So I would Mm -hmm. I would I would say that contrary to what the left says, it seems like the area of economic freedom is actually being undervalued in terms of being protected from the government, if anything, relative to other human rights. Well, right. I mean, if you go back, you know, prior to the civil rights movement, you know, you could say that government failed on all the things that you were talking about, all the the social freedoms. But, you know, now I'd say post then it's really has been more about the economic freedoms, um, some on the social freedoms. But the, but the fact is, is it, it shouldn't be failing in hardly any of it. And it's it's to me, it's still failing, you know, just way too much. But yeah, now now definitely more in the in the in the economic freedom aspect. And, you know, I, I think the problem with libertarian philosophy um, is people we're so used to government doing everything for us, telling us what to do, that 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 a lot of people don't grasp the concept of true liberty and true liberty and true freedom comes with some things that are going to be kind of ugly, but that's where government should be stepping in and saying, you know, drawing a line, uh, and into, and the problems with, with things. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, I, 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 I like that. Okay. So it sounds like you kind of just changed your mind by being open-minded and exploring different, different ideas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because you were exposed to the far left because the far left didn't really exist in the U S yet <laughs> when you got out or, or they probably did, they but did. it was before, you know, like before, before the internet, I mean, obviously the early internet existed, but before like the internet exploded with mm-hmm. smartphones and Twitter and everything, you know, a lot communists had to meet like in basements, you know, below a church or whatever, as opposed uh, to, and right. It bothers, <laughs> and it boggles my mind that, that we're so, this is one of the things that frustrates me is that, you know, to, to a rational person, communism should be seen just as horrible as Nazism and somehow Communists, I think most people do, honestly. Even now, many, I, I think I do. Too many people don't. A, a communist could walk down the street wearing communist clothing, and, and people might, you know, give a little bit of a smug look, maybe. But most, mostly, they're not going to meet that much hostility as, as somebody who was wearing a Nazi, you know, arm banner or something around their arm. I don't um, know, man. When when I see a hammer and sickle, I see them as a, um, I mean, as a, you know, a non-Jewish. Um, white guy right uh-huh. i i see the hammer and sickle on their sleeve as a greater threat to my freedom than i than the swastika right i still oppose well, both because i think the rights of other people matter too <laughs> right <laughs> but like yeah i mean just you know as far as like physical threat to myself um mm-hmm. i think the communist is actually a greater threat yeah i mean i i mean if I, i'll be honest i think the communists are a greater threat at this juncture of time because you know, they're they're growing in numbers. You know, how many Nazis are there? I mean, we, as far as we know, there are none because almost nobody would call themselves or admit that they were a Nazi in public. Well, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't say none. I mean, there were there were a few people like flying swastikas at the insurrection, for example. That's why I said right. that's why I said almost none. But but the point is, is that they're talking but, but you're right yeah twitter isn't littered with people who have swastikas in their bios for example like people like nowadays kids put put the uh, hammer and sickle in their twitter bio like they're just wearing the latest brand of like sunglasses or something exactly and and because yeah, people and and then you talk to communists i mean look I, most people in the far left they're they're well-intentioned people that are horribly misguided is really what it boils down to um and and 
some of them, you know, they, they say and do horrible things. You know, I was in the crowds, you know, back, 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 uh, back then. And I, and I, I've said things that I wasn't real proud of. Cause you know, I kind of lumped into, you know, black conservatives, well, they're sellouts, you know, cause, cause that's what everyone around you was saying. So you just kind of fall into it. And then I got a little older and I'm like, that's that's terribly wrong you know like that's that's treating people like they're a monolith and the left has well, it's also of- also frankly it's just you know the majority of the um african-american community is conservative in comparison to the socialist left I oh mean, absolutely. Right? absolutely like most of them vote democrat but they they vote for joe biden not bernie sanders right mm-hmm. <laughs> let let alone you know stalin or whoever the the the, the hammer right. sickle and, and a lot of that is and a lot of that is because republicans are you know I, i'm look i'm not a republican i there's maybe a, a handful of Republicans that I actually kind of like, um, you know, people always will say libertarians are soft Republicans. Like, no, 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 we're not, not, you know, there may be people who are libertarian leaning that are soft Republicans, but someone who really sees themselves as a libertarian has about as much hatred of the Republican party as they do the Democrat party. Uh, because uh, they, yeah, in terms of the libertarian party, which is a, which is a separate issue from, mm-hmm. from libertarian, you know, go, I mean, keep, you know, like I said, off air to you, Dave, I think, you know, like it or not, as long as we have a two-party system, um, it's a lot easier to influence one of the existing parties than it is mm-hmm. to, you know, miraculously get a third party to have power. Although I have nothing against people um, running third party, like at, at like local levels and so forth, because there they actually have a chance of winning. But at the national level, I mean, at best, you're just going to end up being a spoiler, right? I, I see. I totally disagree with that philosophy, and I think that I think that philosophy is part of the problem is that we because it it basically pegs us to this fear of we have to choose one or the other and until people universally stop choosing one or the other we're going to continue with this idea of of two people especially because look we we see that the two parties collude to exclude third parties if you go to 2016 gary johnson was polling what eight ten percent and pretty much you know in a lot of polls he was still excluded from the debates. Uh, he had minimal media time compared to the other two candidates. You know, they look at his gaffe, you know, for, you know, uh, his Aleppo gaffe. Yeah. Was it bad? Of course it was bad. But was it bad compared to things that Hillary or Trump said? No. <laughs> oh, no. And, and in fact, I'd much ra- I would much rather have Gary Johnson than Donald Trump. Right. But, right. The, the, you know, I, I actually don't I don't want to get too sidetracked in an, in an no, argument no, I with gotcha. you. I think I think that um, you've proven yourself to be a very open minded person. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to make my best faith case for what I said. And, and then I'll let you push back in so that we can move on. Okay. Um, but may, also just for the purposes of clarifying what I mean, it's not mm-hmm. because it's not because I, I, I don't share your frustration at the fact that neither of the major parties um, really represents my values. Right. That's right. true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more a matter of, you know, as long as we have a first past the vote, per- first past the post voting system where you have to get uh, uh, plurality of the vote um, in in a, a plural or in enough states to win the Electoral College. Right. Right. Somebody polling even at eight percent, which is very impressive and would do quite well in a parliamentary system like they have in the UK or a party rather. Um, would do quite well in a parliamentary system. In our system, it means nothing. It 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 really means nothing, practically speaking. Um, and I and I get your point about if people if people started voting differently. Well, that's true. Like if if um if uh, all the conservative Democrats 
um, started voting for the libertarian, right? And a lot, mm-hmm. all the right wing Republicans started voting for the libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, then the libertarians might be able to push like either the Democratic or the Republican Party out, and then you would have a different two party system that would be Democrats versus libertarians or Republicans versus libertarians. But you would always wind up with a two party system unless we change that first past the post process. Oh. Well, I mean, my my honestly, my end goal would be to eliminate political parties. Um, you know, it, it would all be based around caucuses of issues. Um, but but to to answer back on the eight percent, you got to take in mind that eight to ten percent wasn't was was before was not was not being was before being allowed and, and not and being excluded from the debates. Um, you know, where had he gotten the debates, that number probably would have bumped up significantly because then you're getting you're getting treated as an equal. Um, there, there's just yeah, no, that's a perfectly valid point. I, I agree with that. I, 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 I do wonder though how many Americans really pay attention to debates and actually vote that way. You know, well, well, <laughs> keep in mind, keep in mind the first Perot. Uh, you know, when Perot first ran, he, he, you know, if it hadn't been for him dropping out and then reentering the the, the race, he probably would have won. Um, yeah, so, that's true. So, now, but also, and, imagine if Gary Johnson had decided to run in the Republican primary, right, and maybe had pushed Trump out. You know, then then because like, look at what Trump did. I mean, if you think about it, Trump basically ran as a third party candidate within the two party system and totally took over one of the parties. And he's been I mean, like I I oppose his his big government approach. Oh, absolutely. um, Right. And I I find him to be a very noxious, anti-American person. Um, Mm -hmm. But that said, I mean, you know, like his whole his whole shtick was like America sucks, basically, which didn't really appeal to the patriot inside me, among other things. But, you know, like I, I still um, I still think that he succeeded at changing the party by running in the primary. What's wrong with that he, approach? He because it's it's a you know, one, most primaries are closed. Uh, a lot a lot of primaries in states are closed. So. You know, and to me, that's a huge problem. To me, that's a constitutional issue because in states that have closed primaries, they're still public funded. So, me as a as an independent, I have to pay for an election process that is going to bolster the other two candidates, and I'm not even allowed to vote in the process. You, you know, the, the the paid the paid national primaries that we have is already an advantage that two parties have over a third party to begin with. And okay, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, see, now that's great because we've found consensus because I completely agree with that. And um, I don't so, know if you know, but like Andrew Yang supports um, re- uh, reforming a lot of that stuff so that third parties would have more power. Right, and one yeah, really key yeah. part of that is actually ranked choice voting, which solves the first past the post issue that I outlined earlier. So if we had ranked choice voting, then you could have 10 parties and it would be much more fair. Right. And there would be no l- l- like real reason for keeping them out of the debates of that. I'd like to see ranked short, like a, a runoff election combined with personally, like I say, eliminating political parties. You know, you can have political parties, but you can't run as a political party. You have to run as a, everybody is essentially a non-affiliated. Um, and, and it forces, cause we have, people are very cult-like and, uh, you know, tribal. Yeah. People, you're not wrong about you know, that. They're, yeah. They're going to vote. They're going to vote Democrat regardless what that Democrat stand. You know, if someone, someone who's a Nazi, a full blown Nazi could run as a Democrat and they'll vote for a full blown Nazi simply I, because. Yeah, I think you're right. And actually name. Trump already <laughs> proved that. Right. Cause I mean, he, Trump, Trump ran in the, in the Republican primary as the antithesis of everything uh, conservative and somehow he won anyway. Because <laughs> yeah, oh, no, <laughs> he had I, an R next to his name. So there, that's all there is to it. I, I, I'm blown away by that because, you know, 
and this is what kept me from ever being a Republican, really, minus, you know, like Ron Paul, because Ron Paul was, you know, was he socially conservative in the way he talked? Yes. But he insisted he was adamant that, you know, my views on these things are irrelevant because the government shouldn't be involved in that. And that. Yeah. No, Ron Paul's a good guy. I agree. And that's why that's where that's where people need to understand like libertarian philosophy. Like, look, I have my personal beliefs about abortion, about my personal beliefs about all kinds of, of things. But but the fact of the matter is, is I don't want to push my beliefs on anybody. I, you know, what do I, I don't know how to dictate <laughs> it's your life. It's unconstitutional for them to try to. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's well, a violation right. of the very First Amendment, right. for, for goodness sake. What's conservative right. about that? I mean, I am yeah. a I am a pragmatic libertarian in that in that I will come to I'm willing to come to agreement on things. Say like universal health care. Say if I if I was in government or I was talking to you know I had to I had to compromise on things. Like I'll compromise on universal health care, but you're going to have to give me something in return that that's adamant to me. Like you know, ban ban property taxes. You, you nobody you, can yeah, place man, a property tax. Yeah, man, you're speaking my language. That's a, that's that's exactly where I'm coming from. Um, you might be curious. You go. You should go check out at uh, movingforwardpod.com. We actually have a policy outline that is a consensus between left and right. It was intended there. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the the way I look at it is in practice, government isn't going to perfectly reflect anybody's like pure intellectual. Um, views right right because uh but that doesn't that's not necessarily a problem that's kind of just not naturally what happens in democracy if you get people who you know some of them are socialists and some of them are libertarians mm -hmm. um you know then you're going to wind up with a, a weird hybrid <laughs> of a right. mixed uh mixed economy that we have and there are lots of things about it that drive me crazy i think the middle class is overtaxed i think our means-tested welfare system traps people in poverty um, but there are a lot of reforms that we could do uh, as long as we are not all holding out for like, you know, 100 percent of what we want or nothing. Absolutely. There are lots of reforms we could do that would make the system better from both perspectives, frankly, if we were willing to work together. Right. I mean, that's the way government – I mean, I, like I said, I'm a firm believer that's the way government should, should be. It's why more than anything I'm an independent. I I'm, I call myself libertarian. I, I work within the libertarian party here and there. I'm not I'm – not, Honestly, I'm not loyal to the party. I'm not loyal to any political party. I never would be, um, because I, to me, a political party is a tribe. It, it's you know the party. I'm not going to see eye to eye on everything the party you know stands for. So if I don't see eye to eye on everything, why am I? Why would I call myself really with you? In, in that sense, um, if you want to accept me in, if I were you know say I was to run for office and you want to accept me to run as a libertarian, fine. But you gotta you you take me. I'm not I'm not bending my views. This to suit you. <laughs> yeah, people uh, constantly are asking me if if I would ever run. I think my wife would divorce me. <laughs> yeah, for that reason alone. But I don't know, man. Like at this point, what party would I run under? Because you know, the third party isn't gonna win. The Republican yeah. Party is absolutely insane. Um the the Democratic Party is like the establishment is just kind of wants doesn't really want to reform the system the way that I want to reform it. But the far left is 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 just as crazy as the Repu as the Republican Trumpists. So so, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, where, what do you do? Uh, Yang looked at that situation and said, I guess I'll run as a Democrat. I appreciated that he was very upfront about that, too. He was like, well, I just did right. the math and it seemed like the best way to go about it. Like, no, it's, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the loyalty to the party thing at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, go, going back to, you know, and I, and I hate to, to, to circle back to it and I'll be you know quick with it. You know, I. I, one, I, I, I don't, I live, I don't live in a swing state. I live in Maryland. You know, Maryland is solid blue, so I can vote for, you know, and I, and I encourage people who, if you don't live in a swing state, that's the people I really encourage to vote 
whoever the hell they want to vote because it doesn't matter because if your vote is needed to go one way or the other that that the party that it prime that your state favors wasn't going to win the they're not going to win the election anyway if, if they're struggling to win a, a state that's solidly in their corner your vote is your vote helping helping them pass their state is not they're going to lose the general election a landslide so you might as well just vote who you want to vote the people who live in swing states i can un, i that goes to me understanding your pragmatic view you know if i lived in say ohio i probably would be more inclined to vote for one of the two major parties personally yeah, I think that's a good point. Another another approach that you can have to doing it if you're in, in a deep blue or deep red state or county or mm-hmm. uh, district, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, another approach is you could say, all right, well, let's say I'm a Republican, right, in um, California, right? Uh-huh. So one thing you could do is you could actually register as a Democrat and mm-hmm. then vote for the more conservative person in the Democratic primary because the Democrat's going to win. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so a lot of people – and, and in fact, what's happened in California is exactly that. The Republican Party has almost become a third party at this point. And it's, it's the real debate happens between the conservative and progressive Democrats. Um, well, and that's, that's where, that's where you know, the real fight happens. Well, no. I mean you know, Maryland is really becoming the California on the East Coast. In that in that term, we you know we have a Republican governor, but he's you know most Republicans here will swear he's you know and I'll even say you know as an independent he he he's essentially what you would call blue dog Democrat in the way that he governs. Um, you know, sure. uh, yeah. most a lot of Democrats here obviously think he's radical right, which you know tells me how how bad politics. Yeah, progressives gotten. think that Obama was a white supremacist fascist at this point. So what can you do? <laughs> uh, well, exactly. I mean, it, it, but but see, you know, going back to. You know, now, like I say, now when I see the, the the far left that was the pockets that I used to be, I'm like, man, they have lost their goddamn minds. Like, you know, what is wrong with these people? Like, I I, I can't wrap my head around how they find logic in anything that they that, that comes out of their mouth. It, it's it's absurd to me. I um, want to I want to ask you to clarify something you said that I thought was very profound. You sure. said that a lot of people have trouble; they can't really comprehend what real liberty is like. And that's why um, the left uh, attracts them. And to clarify, by left, I mean, you know, the, the actual left. Not I'm not using it as a synonym for Democrats because I don't consider no, all no. Democrats to be left wing. But right. like, you know, the actual left that 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 would would happily violate basic freedoms um, in order to achieve their utopian uh, workers paradise. Um you 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 you, inc- you implied that they don't know what real liberty is like. Like they they w- it would be more appealing to them if they had a taste of it. Is kind of what you seem to be saying. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, or what, maybe uh, maybe it's not a matter of whether they have a taste, but maybe just whether or not they have an appreciation for it. Because you know anybody can taste a good chatted if de pop, but that doesn't mean that they can tell it apart. You know from uh, the swill. Okay, so like to give you an example, okay, libertarians, we we push for less, obviously push for a lot less regulation. Um, you know, I, I fall under the category of yeah, maybe we should have licensing for something like doctors, uh, you know, people who perform surgeries. Obviously, should they have a license? Yes. Uh, th- does every restaurant need a license? In my mind, and, and this is probably going to stir some heads. I would say no. Um, you know, because let's be honest, and this is where people don't understand liberty. Uh, the do people, you know, in claiming that restaurants have to have uh, a, a service license to prevent food poisoning implies that people don't get food poisoning at restaurants. But it happens all the time. That, that license is not stopping food poisoning. 
Um, it could be a selling point if you want to have that. You know, you could have, you could set yourself up for health inspections. You could, then places could say this place was last inspected on, and people can eat at their own risk. But people who are so adamant about that, I mean, do they, do they, do they never eat at their friend's house? Do they never prepare their own meals? Because all that food is being prepared without any kind of licensing uh, happening under the matter. You know, there's a point where people need to be. People, adults need to be able to make adult decisions. <laughs> it's really what it boils down to. And we need to suffer the consequences. If I want to eat at a restaurant that maybe that hasn't shown any sign that it's been inspected for any kind of health, uh, you know, safety standards recently, you know, then I have to be like, do I really want to eat here? It's a little cheaper, but, you know, I might I might uh, be on the toilet for a week. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And anybody who's traveled in the developing countries is familiar with doing that arithmetic in your head. Oh, right. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you go, you go to the right place. You could eat as healthy as can be. And you're still going to have that happen because you're not used to the bacteria. But that's getting into science. That's true. That's, and, a, that's well, a whole other, a whole yeah, other, issue a whole other well. subject. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure licensing of restaurants is a, is a hill that I would personally die on. Um, I, I do think I, I was just using broadly, an example. No, it's an example. I mean, more broadly speaking, though, I think and even still focused on restaurant, but just in a, in a, in a broader way, but the collective um, impact of so many different regulations on businesses um, actually just ends up resulting in a, in having a, a bunch of hurdles for people to jump over in order to open a business that makes what, it what it creates makes it that is, much harder for the average person to ever achieve their dream of owning their own business, you know? And, what, and so I do think, I do think that in the, in the spirit of compromising, um, with with uh, the other side, you know, we probably need to have some regulations. Like we're not we're not going to convince people to to move toward anarchy. And I actually want to talk to you about anarchy. Which, and I know you don't go that far, um, so right. we'll move into that next. But you know, like at a minimum, we ought to be sitting back and thinking, okay, like what are the pros and cons of this regulation? And take more seriously the fact that it it results in a putting up a not just a hurdle but a a, a wall. Like so many people simply will never be able to own a business because we have made it so expensive. We, we've made it, we've made it extremely you know, hard like, on mi- business. Mi- minimum wage, uh, uh, mandated benefits, and those sorts of things are, are an even bigger hurdle than than you know just getting a license. Not that yeah. a license. And I do think there are areas where licenses go too far. I mean, pe- we're way too prudish when it comes to liquor licenses and things like that, for example. No, 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 absolutely. I, it, it, yeah, some of the, the licensing, does, you know, one of the biggest hurdles on, on the lower income people who are trying to start a business is zoning laws. You know, you, you legally, you know, by, by zoning laws, you can't, you legally can't, you know, start a business in your house without first going through, you know, say I, say you want to turn Yeah, that's another problem. I agree with that. A retail yeah. shop or, or you want to cut hair in, in someone's house. But then, you know, then when you got two things, you know, why do you need a license to cut hair? <laughs> I mean, it's it's that's silly. You know, you we have yeah, our friends. Or, 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 or right bear, yeah, no. It, well, and I and and not. Yeah, I see your point. Like a license to cut hair is a hurdle. Um, being required to rent out a space at a commercial area to do it instead of mm-hmm. just doing it out of your you know pantry or whatever mm-hmm. is another hurdle. Um, yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, I think that I think that the libertarian right has a lot of valuable contributions to make to our discourse about where things have maybe gone too far and um and it's really it really it really is quite sad to me that we don't actually have a viable right-wing party in this country that's actually standing up for these basic ideas anymore 
Right. No, I mean, and, you know, and that, and that goes to the big difference to me between the left and the libertarian. Uh, the left is give a man a fish where the libertarian is teach him to fish, give him, give him the opportunity to fish, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, and that's, and that's really what it is. You know, the, 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 the left, like I say, in their, in their good intentions, they, they're creating more hurdles, more roadblocks for, for, uh, to, to help elevate people. You know, it was it was free markets and capitalism that that lifted people out of poverty. I mean, it was, you know, after, you know, you look at one of the most one of the periods where this this nation was more free market was late 1800s, early 1900s. We were probably in our most free market, true, true American dream. You know, the Civil War had ended. Slavery had ended in America. It was it was before the Jim Crow era started to come back in. And, you know, blacks obviously weren't still weren't treated as equal citizens. But even despite all the hurdles, you know, ex-slaves were in mass starting businesses, you know, simple things. You know, they knew how to farm. So they were they were farming and they were growing. That's where the whole watermelon thing came from, because they, you know, they knew how to grow watermelon. People wanted them. So they started businesses and they were they were becoming very profitable. Uh, doing so, you know, penniless immigrants were coming here. People who barely spoke English were able to grow small empires. You know, so you can't tell me capitalism don't work. Capitalism works great when you would allow it to work. <laughs> it's a matter <laughs> of allowing it to work. <laughs> right, right. And and as far as the being empathetic thing goes, I mean, if you really think about it, what socialists actually want is they kind of want to go back to feudalism in a way, right? Because feudalism Absolutely. was this arrangement where you know, you would be guaranteed you had your food was provided for you by your Lord. Your housing was provided for you by your Lord. Your education right. was taken for, care of you by, for you by your Lord. But you um, were stuck in a perpetual rut. You were never going to. But you were, you were actually, you were, never gonna elevate. you were genuinely trapped in wage slavery in a way that's not true under capitalism. Under capitalism, you actually can become the Lord. And that was the whole point. That was, that was what was so radical about capitalism at the time. Yeah. And it goes back to like, you know, you know, now, if you really look at socialists, they're just they're really good at honestly lying and denying and denying facts, you know, lying. You know, there's those who are lying and those who believe the lies. I'm not going to say every one of them is intentionally lying, but they but they've believed the lies, you know, like they'll talk about, well, you know, all wealth is generational. No, actually, generate, you know, statistically generational wealth only lasts for a couple generations before it's all gone. Uh, because, and not only that, but um, they've pretty much killed um, intergenerational wealth at this point, which I consider actually a bad thing. I mean, um, now they because of taxing estate taxes and taxing property and also yeah. taxing people on incomes, um, you know, the vast majority of fortunes are actually self-made today. Um, but they, but they'll still say we aren't a real meritocratic society and they'll still keep pointing to, you know, um, this supposed problem of runaway intergenerational wealth that they've already killed <laughs> in order yeah. to for, in order to justify taking even more wealth away from people. One, mm-hmm. one line that I like to use is um, wealth is the solution to poverty, not the cause of it. Yeah, poverty yeah. doesn't require an explanation. Poverty is the natural state of human beings. Um, wealth is is what requires an explanation. And, and to be honest, another thing that the that the left, particularly as you get further and further left, is that they need to come to terms with the fact that, and they're going to hate me for it, but they're control freaks. Because in the end, in a libertarian society, 
you can have communism. You can have socialism. You know, people can form their own communes. Do whatever the hell they want. You know, I, I mean, honestly, as, as libertarian as I am, I'm not opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to living in a commune and and finding some sort of agreement among the people I live with. I'd as long as person. you were given the voluntary choice to enter it instead of being forced to do it. Exactly. <laughs> but 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 you you know Man, how, how dare you? Like Dave, how could you possibly <laughs> oppose that? Like. How could you possibly think that it's wrong for somebody to use force to like compel you into an agreement that you wouldn't enter into voluntarily? Right. No, it's 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 absurd, you know, and but it's it's all about control, because in their society, you can't have a libertarian capitalist society. You know, so they 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 insist on controlling people that they don't they don't want you to make the choice of participation. They and not only that, but they won't let you leave. Look at like North Korea. You can't yeah, leave. No, you can't, you can't leave. even you can't even access news from capitalist parts yeah, of the world. Yeah, I hate I hate to rehash, you know, common said things, but you know, you voted in, but you gotta shoot your way out. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how it that's pretty much what that's the but that's the reality of it, you know. People always say, well, we haven't tried communism, you know, you know, are we really a capitalist nation here? No. You know, was Russia really a communist nation? No. But we're but we're almost capitalist. And, you know, when I say Russia, I mean, obviously, the USSR, the USSR or China now, they're almost communist. And, you know, look what's going on in China. I mean, there's there's actual genocide happening in China and and we're not even making that big of a deal about it for some reason. Well, it's because of um, isolation is populist on the far left and the alt right. Both right. have this kind of they use the America First slogan that was used by Nazi sympathizers leading up to right. World War Two. Well, that and and socialists, the socialist and communist left, they 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 they're so convinced that everything is propaganda. Um, you know, obviously there's propaganda except for the things that are propaganda. They point to the free. They they point to the free, right? They point to the free press in the United States and call it propaganda. Which, by the way, so does the alt right. It's fake news, right? No, that's the free press, you guys. Okay. And then, and then they, and then they, and this is true about the far left and the alt right. And then they quote Russia Today, which is literally Russian state-sponsored propaganda. I know, I know, I know. But you know, and that's and that's exactly it. I mean, look, all. You know, I'll be honest. I'm very cynical, and to me, all news is propaganda. Uh, I kind of got know, that impression, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a horribly, I'm, 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 I'm a horribly cynical person. I'm very optimistic, optimistic, <laughs> but I'm terribly cynical. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, well, and I actually think that's inappropriate. But you know, there's different kinds of propaganda, right? There's there's propaganda in the sense of okay, so you have thousands of different um, companies competing for attention in the media sphere, and they all have their own agenda, right? Right. As opposed to only what you know the Chinese Communist Party approves is allowed to be is allowed to be consumed by anybody or produced by anybody anywhere, right? right. It should well, be pretty clear to see that it's not appropriate to use the same term to describe both of those phenomena. Yeah, no, it, it boggles my mind when I when I hear people that that they're just so bought into that that idea that everything we say is a lie and everything that they say is true. And and you know, look, does our media lie? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you know. You know, and, and even recently, and I hate to point out the alt-rights idea of fake news, um, but, you know, was Trump as bad as the media put him out to be? Not – and look, I hate Trump and there's no defense of him, but he wasn't as bad as what the media painted him out to be. Um, you know, there was a lot of things he said that never got media air things that, you know, like he he, he acknowledged that, you know, black and black – Black Americans built this nation and they're never going to get credit for it. He said that you would never hear that on mainstream medium. I, I found that out recently. I'm like, why? Why? You know, there was there was like and, and then it came out 
from uh, one of the CNN uh, people, I believe it was. I can't remember who it was because um, I, I really don't pay much attention to mainstream media to begin with. But, um, you know, it came out that they they admitted that they were intentionally, you know, making him look look worse than what he was. I mean, look, I, in my mind, he, he gave plenty of ammo on his own to hit him with. There's no need to spin the media against him. He did it enough on his own. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, but again, just to clarify, just to make a point that there's a distinction, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, it, it shouldn't be surprising mm-hmm. that, um, you know, media companies, what we mean by mainstream media is generally like the largest, right, media companies. So these yeah, are the most yeah. successful MSN, media companies. CNN. They make they make the most money. They have the most money to throw around. So these are very wealthy people, right? And, Especially and, and the people... Especially the, well, let me finish my point. Sorry, Dave. So especially, mm-hmm. especially the people who um, who own these companies, right, and also the right. the larger uh, players in them, they're very wealthy people. So you know, no conspiracy is necessary to explain why those sorts of people, right, mm-hmm. would have a motive to undermine, um, you know, kind of populism that Donald Trump's labor reactionary movement represents, right? Because no, they were reacting against free trade capitalism. They did. Right. They, they, they wanted the U.S. to stop trading with Canada, let alone China. You know what I mean? <laughs> because right, they're prioritizing right. saving, saving jobs over just like having, you know, the chips fall as they may in a free market, right? And so, yeah. of course, of course, wealthy corporations aren't going to get behind that no conspiracy necessary they're just looking out for their own interests right oh, as, as, as almost everybody does I mean, it's, it's a natural thing to look out for your own uh interests um yeah and i think that's kind of what you're saying so when you were saying it's all propaganda that that's a way of saying basically just be aware of the fact that everybody has an agenda yeah. and you know read multiple perspectives listen to multiple perspectives and figure out what makes sense um i think that's good advice my main and, problem is unfortunately it seems like the average voter isn't up to that task and they're much more likely to just cherry pick the stuff that makes their idea they already cho- chose to believe look good that reinforces right. their beliefs and that and you know a lot of people are just reactionary they you know they they it goes back to what I said. It's it's they want to be they want to be right. They don't want to be correct. So once you you know once they once they uh, come to a, a a certain belief, you know they got to die on it at that point <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> this is this is it. You know I'm going to hold this till I die. You know it's 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 uh it's a little bizarre to me that that you know it, you know. I, I feel like I, I don't feel like I'm any any different than than most people. But, you know, when I really get to talk to people, I'm like, am I really way more open minded than most people? I mean, peop- I probably. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank uh, yeah. you for exemplifying the fact that human beings can be open minded enough to change their mind about things based on logic and argument and evidence. Yeah. Um, anything uh, you want to say in closing before we wrap up here, Dave? Yeah, it's just look. Not everybody's going to, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying what I say to, to, to say that, you know, my way is right and your way is wrong. Um, you know, everybody has their own view of what is, of what is correct, but, you know, really think about, is that what you really believe? You know, are you really, are you really embracing other ideas enough to even entertain some of what they're saying? And, 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 you know, come, come to your own conclusions, but, but, you know, make, but believe, but, you know, really come to your own conclusions. And I, you know, apply that to everything. Apply it to religion if you want. You know, do you really believe the religion you're part of? You know, if you're refusing to challenge your beliefs, 
then the truth is you really don't believe what you believe. You're just you're just surrounding yourself in an echo chamber. Yeah, well said, Dave. And um, that, again, is what this show is all about, which is why I will remind any of my lefty listeners who are annoyed at the fact that Dave and I were um, complaining about lefties this whole episode. (laughs) uh, Remember that I have lots of lefties on, including uh, an anarcho-communist even, (laughs) who's a friend of mine. So you got, you know, they're all out there. Actually, Dave, that reminds me, we were going to talk about anarchy. It seems to me that the only difference between an anarcho-capitalist and an anarcho-communist is what they believe will inevitably happen when you no longer have government. The anarcho-capitalist thinks that it's going to be a capitalist paradise, and the anarcho-communist thinks that somehow everybody's going to collectively decide to live in a communist paradise. Uh, but that seems to be the only difference is there. It's almost like a game of poker. You know what I mean? Like the the hands haven't, the cards haven't been dealt out yet, but they're both going all in on, 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 on it, going their way. Well, anarcho communists are defying human behavior uh, i don't know where they get their ideas from to be honest i it, everything they say is 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 totally backwards of human behavior um humans are ultimately there's going to be humans and the majority of humans who ultimately are going to look out for themselves um and in the end and we also you know there's a, there's a lot of humans who want to excel above uh, other people we're competitive by nature um a lot of these things, you know, doesn't mean everybody's, you know, hardcore with it. But, you know, if you're if you're running circles around somebody else with with what you're producing, what you're doing, why should at the end of the day you have the exact same amount as the person next to you who's doing almost nothing? Uh, that's not going to fly with people. <laughs> Most people are going to get annoyed at that. So either you do what communist societies do and you throw the person who's not producing in the gulags or you excommunicate them or whatever. Um, which still defies their, which defies yeah, that's their not, ideas. That's, that goes against anarchism, though, that right? Goes against their, right? That goes against their society. And anarchism as a whole, and this is why I think anarchy is as much a pipe dream as, as, as uh, you know, structural communism. Um, because Maybe human, more so, actually. <laughs> structural yeah, right. communism is at least possible to achieve. It's just a nightmare when it happens. Right, right, right. No, well, right, but I'm talking about the uh, the utopian outcome of it. Um, gotcha. <laughs> that, that they talk about, that they swear will happen, which we see over and over is not going to happen. Um, uh, but but yeah, human be again. Another thing about human behaviors is is we we there are followers and there are leaders, and and that will never change. So there will always be whether we call it a government, it doesn't matter what we call it. There will be a semblance of government in anything. That's true. And if you believe in like the end of history um, and like that there's, you know, you're inevitably moving toward this communist uh, utopia ending, that means that for the leaders and the creative thinkers out there who who are who remain optimistic and want to continue to build a better world, they have nowhere mm-hmm. to go. They have nothing to do. Right. Because now you're just uh, you're just supposed to just kind of blindly. Everybody has to be blindly a follower, an obedient follower to the the, the communist utopian dogma. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah it's, 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 it's impossible to happen without, I mean, truth be told, it's, it's impossible to happen without mass murder, <laughs> which is why mass murder tends to happen under communist utopias. <laughs> yeah. And then when you, you put the least educated and capable people in, in the country in charge of running the government, it doesn't work out very effectively mm, either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not, not at all. Um, 
All right, yeah. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. That was great. I'm going to conclude by uh, thanking a patron. This time it's Rich Casada Third, who has uh, given us uh, two uh, Harriet Tubman so far. And um, he actually was a guest on the show in the Wayback Machine on number 12, uh, which was about, or actually, was it number 12? Number 13, which was about military intelligence, because Rich is a, a retired military intelligence expert. So, Rich, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for giving us money. And Dave Vane, thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, demonstrating well, that me. people can can change their minds. I'm going to give you the last word again, though. No, uh, uh, there really is no last word, man. You know, be cool with each other. You know, you can we can we can disagree with each other, but in the end, you know, people are people. I've got a communist who lives across the street from me. We have talks all the time. We bash each other with with our philosophies, and you know, Al ran on social media about communists, but in the end, you know, it's you know, I don't take social media that serious. I think some people take social media way too serious. Yeah, I uh, might be falling into that trap. I have to remind myself it's not reality sometimes. I try to remind myself. I'll get in arguments and I go through and delete a bunch of it. Like, this isn't me. I shouldn't be doing this. I, I yell at myself all the time for it. <laughs> it's much more productive to have a long-form conversation like this yeah, one than it is to absolutely. get in a Twitter fight. Yeah. And, and people need to, you know, people need to really engage. You know, when you're on Twitter, man, and, I, and this goes for both the left and the right or whatever your philosophy is, you know, you can, you can engage for a minute or two, but if they're being stubborn, you know, just move on. Some people, they just want to fight. <laughs> they ain't worth the time. I got to remind myself of that all the time. Yeah, general, they're using you, know, you as a punching bag to let off steam because they're actually mad at their spouse or their boss or something. Exactly. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody just needs to be cool with each other and, and learn to learn to accept that not everyone is going to think like you. And I know it's frustrating because we all have the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but. You know, it's just a matter of, and, and you know, we do. We, there is, there does need to be dialogue. There needs to be more dialogue, and we need to have uncomfortable dialogue, um, without without getting without getting hostile. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all Americans, and we're in this uh, democratic experiment together. It's up to no. us. You know, if it if it falls apart, we won't have anybody to blame but ourselves. It'll be our no. fault for letting it fall apart. You know, we need like to come said, together and keep it going. Hey, hey, like you said, I mean, you, you said your wife is uh, definitely more politically left. Mine is. Mine's mine's a uh, an activist. You know, she she ran recently as a an, as a as a Democrat. You know, in Baltimore City, but she's she's a she's an activist in Black and Jewish organizations, and uh, a lot of them were politically left. And her and I butt heads on a lot of things, but you know, we're still married. We still love each other. It's 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 possible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go, man. That uh, marriage exemplifying democracy right there. We still have to love each other as fellow Americans, as cheesy as that sounds. At a bare uh, minimum, absolutely. we have to love, we have to recognize that we share a love of America. Although, I will say, radical far leftists and alt-rightists, like actual communists and fascists who hate America, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> if you love America, we can work together. I'm with you on that, man. Like I say, I, 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 I have my, uh, my frustration with both extreme sides. <laughs> Yeah, tell me about it. All right, thanks again for coming on, man. Take care, Dave. And uh, as we say, moving forward is our gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Together... Through these conversations, we are all working to ensure that the Humanity First movement keeps moving forward. If you haven't yet, please visit our website at movingforwardpod.com, where you can support our Patreon 
We will use those funds to advertise, to grow our audience so more people hear these important conversations. Thank you very much.